So my wife, Christy, can be a hard one to figure out. And actually, I kind of like it this way, although it does cause some problems sometimes, obviously. Um, it keeps things interesting in our marriage because I'm still, I'm, I'm trying to still figure out who this Christy Cassidy is. Christy Donoff now, I married her. But um, for instance, there's, um, um, she, she's, when it comes to skiing, she's really, really good at skiing. And that was one thing that, like, really attracted me to her when we first met in college was, like, this girl can rip. Like, I've literally, I've clocked her at 60 miles an hour going down a blue run once. I was like, I, I had a car once that didn't even do 60 <laughs> miles an hour, and there goes this girl. Like, I better chase her. It was great. It was this awesome feeling, you know, skiing with her. And um, I, that gets me into trouble sometimes because she, she can fly. She shreds these blue, steep blue runs. And then I'll be kind of in the lead sometimes, and I'll be like, well, what's this? Let's go check out that. And it's like a little steeper, you know, like it's got moguls or it's trees. And then we get on that run, and it's very, very clear, very, very quickly that that is not what she likes to ski. And then we get down to the bottom and get down to the base and get out back on the chair, and it's that kind of like, you know, you okay? N yeah, I'm fine. You know, like just that kind of stuff, you know, like I won't go any further into that. And I was just trying to figure that out. Like, like here she is, she'll shred down this, but maybe doesn't like that. Another way that, that I can try to figure her out is um, mountain roads. She's kind of the same thing happens on mountain roads. How many of you have ever been up the Mount Evans Road? Raise your hand. Okay, if you don't know what this is, like, this is like, a, it's right in our backyard. It literally starts a mile from here. It's the tallest paved road, the highest paved road in the United States. It goes to above 14,000 feet, goes to the top of Mount Evans. If you've never done it before, just like before you hop in your car this afternoon, be like, hey, honey, let's, we're right here. Let's go do that. Some of the stretches of road look like this. Yeah, that's like taken from the Mount Evans road. And um, like, the, honestly, like there's parts of it that are, that are pretty, pretty sketchy. And um, and, and Christy went up this one time, and she was not having it. I, and and, and we were, uh, we've been on roads like this before, and funny things happen when we get on roads like this because this bold woman that I know that loves to go four-wheeling, backpacking, get off the grid, you know, do cool things with our kids, you get her on a road like this, and she freaks out. And to be honest, like, I have a hard time not, like, picking on her for it, and this is just not good. Like, I need to avoid roads, taking Christian roads like this for, because marriage counseling is pretty expensive. <laughs> like, it, it's something I need to, to watch, because I, I, when we're on roads like this, I just want to, like, pretend like I'm texting. She's like, stop it, you know, and, or, or, like, put on the song Free Falling, or, you know, like, I mess with her, or, or just, like, try to explain to her the rationality, how, the, how it breaks down, like, you know, like, every time you're staying on the side of the car that's away from the cliff, that's not going to matter. If we go pummeling off of a cliff, you're just, we're all going to die, you know, like, and you're trying to explain, I don't know, I just get into so much trouble. And, you know, it's funny, is like, like, we live, some of you guys know, we live on a pretty gnarly road in Evergreen. We live on a road that has eight switchbacks in one mile. And so, and she's very comfortable with that. People ask every time they come over, like, well, what about that road? And Chrissy's the first one to say, it's fine. Like, you get used to it, blah, 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 blah. And so somewhere between our road, our driveway, and Mount Evans, there's bad news. Like, Christy kind of loses it somewhere. I'm still trying to figure that out. So naturally, when we went um, hiking a couple weeks ago with the kids up Guanella Pass, 
I was, I was, you know, like on our way up, Gwinnell Pass is a road that goes Z outside of, um, of Georgetown, like right beyond Georgetown is this, you know, just up and up and up and up. And so we're going up that, that road and every mile or two or a couple miles or so, I, I, I kind of check in as nonchalantly as I can, like, hey, how you doing? You know, she's, I'm fine. Okay. A couple miles later, like, so you cool with this? This, this road's kind of, she's like, yeah, I'm fine. And, you know, finally, she's like, yeah, I'm fine. You know, like, like she gets kind of angry at me. And, and finally, I, I finally just asked, I said, okay, I don't get you. I don't understand you. Like, like why, why doesn't this freak you out? And she literally goes like this. She points out the window and says, see those? And she points to these big guardrails. And, and she says this phrase. I, I wrote it down. It's, uh, we'll put it on the screen. I have no problem being bold when I know where my edges are. I was like, I didn't know I married Gandhi. You know, like, <laughs> just like somebody, like, this quotable person. Chrissy does this every once in a while. Like, she just pulls something out. Like, she has this, in, you know, this intuition. Like, she's like, see those? I have no problem doing bold things when I know where my edges are. And then she paused, and they're like, we, we paused in the conversation, and like a couple seconds later, she's like, you should use that in a sermon sometime. And I was like, <laughs> awesome, because I'm about to preach a series called Guardrails, which is just perfect. So thank you for giving my intro. Give it up for Christy Donoff. She gives us our, this intro is brought to you by Christy Donoff today. Um, guardrails are systems designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. We all know what guardrails are. We normally see them on bridges, in medians, um, lots, you know, in the mountains where we live, curves and unex you know, unexpected curves where people probably have gone off before. And, you know, we'll all see those signs in, in the mountains of, like, in loving memory of so-and-so, drive safely, that kind of stuff. And there's usually a guardrail near there because there's something you know, that some sort of unexpected change in the topography, in the road, in the landscape, that, that people sometimes miss, so we put guardrails out there. And, and the point of the guardrail is, if you need one, you smack it, you hit it, and it, it, you do damage to your vehicle and maybe even to yourself, but it's a minimized damage compared to what would happen if you went off or you went beyond where that guardrail or into oncoming traffic or something like that, right? We all know what guardrails are. And here's the other thing that I want us to see about guardrails is guardrails are placed, interestingly, the, we don't place guardrails in danger zones. We, we actually place guardrails in safety zones where you actually probably could drive, right? Um, technically, you could drive, but I've never heard anybody complain about, oh, I wish that guardrail wasn't there so that I could drive there. We're okay with that in the world of driving, that we, we understand very implicitly we need some margin for error when we're driving whatever, 3,000 pound vehicles at 60 miles an hour. We need to, to have some margin of error. We need at times to have guardrails. The whole entire reason for this series is basically what we see plainly in the world of driving we sometimes miss, we're, we're at risk at, at, of missing in, in other areas of our lives. Um, see, my goal is to, for us to, part of my, my, my first goal for this series is to get us to see that the highway is not the only place where we need guardrails in life. Um, that just, and we'll put, it, we'll put it like this, put it, we put this on the screen too. Just as we need physical guardrails on the road, 
to direct and protect us. That's what guardrails do. They direct and protect us. We also need guardrails in other areas and arenas of our lives as well. We need to have guardrails. We need to have places where we place a little margin for error between us and disaster. And so my ultimate goal for this, this series is to help you create those personal margins of error uh, between you and then the things in life that have maybe hurt you in the past or have the potential to hurt you in the future. Maybe even the ones you don't even know can hurt you when it comes to in the financial world, when it comes to relationships, your professional life, um, your social life. We're going to talk about guardrails in each one of those areas. And here's, here's what a guardrail is. In, in, for our conversation, this is how we're going to define a guardrail. A guardrail is a personal line that is uncomfortable for you to cross. The most important word in that phrase is you. I think the most important, you know, the, a personal line that is uncomfortable for you to cross. And I want to I say this right away because I know that a series like this if it, are, if, if it hasn't happened already, it will be met with resistance, especially if you're not a church person. Like, say, say you're a person that, that you've never really understood the church thing, especially a guy with a microphone. Usually, it's almost always a guy with a microphone up here telling you how to live your life. And as I'm talking about setting up personal lines that, you know, that are uncomfortable for you to cross, as I'm talking about that, you're like, where do you get off telling, like, like I, why would you... Where do you get off telling me how to live my life? I understand that if that's the way you feel. But here's the thing that I want us to recognize from the outset with this. Is I'm probably, we're going to talk about, I'm going to give you examples of guardrails. I'm going to maybe even make suggestions of things that might be wise for you and I to do. But ultimately, I can't make lines for you. I can't create guardrails for you. Only you can. And so I would encourage you, even if this is a little odd, to, to come to a church setting and have somebody tell, like, have input into how you're going to live life or put, make lines. I would balance that with the fact of, like, dude, do whatever you need to do. Take, you know, take this, uh, take what I say with a grain of salt if you want, if you don't, if you don't believe in the Jesus stuff or the Bible stuff. And, and, and make your own decisions and create your own guardrail, a personal line that is uncomfortable for you to cross. That is, that is, there's like, in the future, you, you, it becomes a line morally, socially, uh, when it comes to alcohol, when it comes to finances, when it comes to uh, conduct at work, and you say, this is as far as I will go. This is my guardrail. And if you cross that guardrail, God's not going to strike you with lightning. I'm not going to give you a phone call. Maybe, maybe even the people around you at work, they're not even going to notice. But you do. You cross a line and you say, that's a line that I have made, that, and it starts burning in your conscience, in your mind, that this is something that I decided I don't want to do. That's when you know you have a guardrail. And maybe as I'm talking, you're thinking of things. You're like, I have some of those. I, I know what I won't do or will do at work. I know when it's okay as a married man to, to not be with a, a, a woman in a setting like this. You know, you, maybe you have these different guardrails already. 
And if that's the case, this is just going to help you think about those and, if, and maybe assess if they're in the right place. But here's the thing. I, and I, I almost put this towards the end of the sermon, but I felt like I needed to put it in the beginning because I do believe that there, there's going to be a lot of resistance as we talk about this. And this doesn't matter if you're a Christian or a church person or not. That as we're talking about this, there's this idea of guardrails and moral boundaries and personal boundaries, we're, we're all going to push back at some point in time. There's, we're we're going to meet this topic with resistance because there's social implications for it, right? If you draw a line at work and you say, I, I'm just not going to do that. I'm not going to use the work, I'm not going to use the work credit card to pay for this even though that's what people are doing. If you, you do that, eventually someone's going to notice that. And then you're going to have to explain it. And it's going to feel extreme, right? Here's the other aspect of it. Is, is at when that happens, a lot of times it feels judgmental. That you have this line. And you're, not, and you're not imposing it on other people. You're not asking other people to have the same line. You just have decided this is a line for me. But even just telling other people about it, if you have to tell them about it, that feels judgmental, doesn't it? And we're going to talk about that next week. We're going to talk about the, uh, the difference between being judgmental and exercising good judgment. I'm excited for that conversation. Come back for that one because it's, it's interesting as, you're, as, as you live with mor uh, moral guidelines for your life, um, how not to transpose that onto other people. So there's times where it feels extreme socially or judgmental. And then personally, if you, if you decide to make guardrails, just a warning, things get messy. They get gray sometimes. They're like, okay, I said I wouldn't do this, but is that that? And you have to kind of sort that out. Sometimes it starts to feel silly. Like, really, do I really, like, this, it seems like such a, a I feel like the line could be further back. Like, I feel like I could, I, I could get away with more. Should I keep it there? You start to second guess yourself. Um, at times it feels like a breach of freedom. Like, hey, I should be free to be able to do these things. And it threatens that. And it, it, a lot of times it feels lonely because the people around you probably won't do the same things. And it's really, ultimately, like I said before, it's really up to you whether you keep them or not. So why talk about this? Why do a whole series on this? Here's the reason why. Because if you and I look back on our greatest regrets and if you and I could go back into the, into the, the past and change and, and, and relive some moments, go and, and revisit a season of life, and if you, if you would go back in time and make some changes to things, what you're saying is, like, like if, if based on that regret, what you're saying is, uh, if I could go back, I, I, would have, I would basically set up guardrails in places. I would, I would have said no to them. I would have watched my spending or set a budget. I wish, you know, wish my wife and I did that. Or uh, I, I wouldn't have gone or I wouldn't have cheated on that test. Or I wouldn't have helped that person cheat on the test. Or I, wouldn't, I would have been careful of certain people or certain things if I could go back in time. You would have drawn a line or you would have stood your ground. In other words, you would have created a guardrail. Now, I know, here's the thing. We shouldn't dwell in the past. Honestly, like, if, if you're thinking to yourself, yeah, well, why dwell on the past? I totally agree. We shouldn't dwell on the past. And as Christians, we actually believe we don't have to because of what 
Jesus has done for us. But if you say, we shouldn't dwell, I agree, we shouldn't dwell on the past, but we definitely should learn from it. Can we just say that? As best we can, we should learn from what we've done in the past. So yeah, every once in a while through this series, we'll probably reflect on things that we've done in the past to assess, and but, but ultimately, this series is not about the past. It's about saving regret in the future. It's about making better decisions and living with fewer regrets from this day forward. That's why Guardrails is such an important series. It's why I'm excited to bring up the, to the topic, and I, I hope that you're willing to push through maybe some of the resistance that you'll feel internally as we talk about things, because we all know there's just certain out, out there in life. We know there's things out there that will that could destroy us as students, as teens, as single people dating, as married people at work, as people with financial hopes and dreams. There, there's there's there we should proceed with caution sometimes. This idea of, of caution, of 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 living life cautiously, or not, maybe not cautiously, but with our eyes wide open is found throughout scripture, actually. From the beginning to the end throughout scripture, we'll see the authors of the Bible. Did you know the Bible is written by about 40 plus different people? And it's, it's interesting to look at the authors throughout scripture will kind of bring up this idea of you know, living, living life cautiously, living life kind of with a shrewd, open eyes, um, it, starting in the Old Testament, going into the New Testament. So I wanna look at two passages today. One's in the Old Testament, and then um, the one that I really want us to dive into is in the New Testament. The one in the Old Testament is written by a guy named Solomon. And uh, Solomon wrote this book called Proverbs. And Proverbs is a really, if, you, if you're new to Bible study and you're looking for, like, I don't even know where to start. Proverbs is not a bad place to start. It's a really good place. It's got 31 uh, chapters. So, if, like, you can just kind of break it up from a month and read a chapter a day. And then you would read the Bible for a month that way. Um, but Solomon is, is attributed as to, one of those, as to one of the wisest men who ever lived. In fact, there's, there's, um, um, it's believed that people came from all around the known world at the time to kind of get counsel from Solomon, to talk to him, to, to exchange wisdom with him. And um, he wrote some of, those wis some of that wisdom down, either stuff that he wrote or the stuff that he gathered over time from talking with wise people. And that's what we find in the book of Proverbs. And the book of Proverbs is just that. It's like one line after another. Sometimes the lines kind of fit together, but most, li most of the lines, most of the verses are just kind of standalone pieces of wisdom that can make you think, like, oh, that's kind of what, yeah, that's right. That's kind of how life is. That's kind of that's how life goes. The verse that we're going to read today is Proverbs 4, 23. And it starts out by saying this. Above all else. Now, anytime you read a phrase like that, above all else, you should pay attention. It, it doesn't matter if you're reading the Bible or a book. You're like, hey, you know, if you're reading a book and they say, okay, this is, this is what I'm trying to get at. Okay, what are you trying to get at? Read that carefully. So this is Solomon. But here's the thing. Is this isn't just a book. This is a really wise dude. So I want you to picture like a wise, loving family member like your grandma or maybe like an uncle that you really respect, 
And imagine if you were talking with them and they're doing their thing and they're talking about life and you're like, yeah, I like how you think about that and that you're learning from them. And then all of a sudden, imagine if the, they, they're just on fire one day and you're having coffee with them and they're talking and, and, or you're eating dinner or whatever and they're like, and, and honey, above all else, you pay attention, right? Or imagine if you're like at a conference, right? And all of a sudden, Simon Sinek is like, okay, above all else, or Brene Brown's like, hey, this is the bottom line right here. You'd, you'd pay attention, right? But see, this is Solomon. This isn't business. This isn't even a relative. This is kind of like, if we were in the Lord of the Rings, this is kind of like Gandalf saying, okay, Frodo, above all else, <laughs> I want you to know this. Because Solomon was that class of wisdom. He was that class of wizard. And he's saying, he's, he's, he's giving all of this Wisdom for life, and he says this phrase, he says, above all else, kind of want to know what it says now, right? Above all else, it says this, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Guard, above all else, he would say, guard your heart. Now, there's a lot of, like, heart, the, the idea of heart, that comes up a lot in our culture and conversation, listen to your heart. Follow your heart. And in, in Solomon, he actually talks a lot about your heart in the book of Proverbs. But I think if he was here, he heard someone say, follow your heart or listen to your heart. He's like, yeah, I think that would be good. Like, it's good to pay attention to your heart. But I think he'd say, but above, maybe more importantly than that, ab above following your heart or listening to your heart, above all of that, guard your heart. He says, Keep this form of defense around your heart. Your heart is important, he would say. So you need to guard it. You need to protect it. You need to take a defensive posture towards it. Like, you need to protect it. And, and, and I mean, some of you, raise your hand if you're a parent. If you're a parent, you've coached your kid to think that way, Right? hey, they're about to go off with this group of friends. You're not sure. You got that radar with that. I'm not sure about that group of friends. That, hey, be careful. Yeah, mom, dad, whatever. And, and they walk away you're like, I should have said that better. What you're trying to say is like, hey, guard your heart. Or, you know, like you see your, your teenage daughter going after a guy and she's just head over heels for him. And you're like, I'm not sure about that guy. Like, honey, guard your heart. You know what I mean? Like we can, we would, we would give that advice as parents, and, and, and Solomon is giving that advice here, like, he, the, your heart is important, and he explains why. He says this, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Uh, a translation that I, that I grew up reading is, for it is the wellspring of life. That uh, your life, your very life, kind of springs out of your heart. So if your heart isn't doing so hot, maybe it doesn't much, maybe much doesn't spring out. Whereas if your heart is full, life is full. So guard your heart, because without your heart, you're not going to be able to enjoy a beautiful sunset if your heart's beat up. If, you're, if your heart's beat up, it doesn't matter how much money you have in the world, right? So guard it. Be careful. Be cautious with your heart. Make sure it's protected. Fast forward a thousand years. 
um, Solomon wrote in the Old Testament about a thousand years before Christ came. And then between him, there was a whole bunch of prophets in the Old Testament, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Isaiah. And then all of a sudden, Jesus comes on the scene, and Jesus um, starts to preach, um, and he says that he's the Messiah, he's the one that's been sent by God to, to basically save the world, and some people believe that, some people don't. He gets crucified, he dies, and, and then all of a sudden, followers of his that had just pieced out after he got killed started to see him, he appeared to them, they saw a resurrected Jesus. And all of a sudden, that's when things started to really go crazy for them. They started to write a lot of books, and that's where we get the New Testament, starting with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which talks about Jesus' life and his, his teachings and what he did and what he was like. And then after that, you've got um, most of the New Testament is actually letters that the Jesus followers wrote to one another or to more people who were beginning to follow Jesus in different areas. Paul is, is a classic example. He, probably, he wrote probably up upwards of about half of the New Testament. And in one of the letters that he was writing to his friends, so it's called Ephesians, because it's called Ephesians because he was writing to people in the city of Ephesus that you could go to. You can go to the ruins of that today, actually. There's not a city there now because it's actually interesting. The the ocean actually moved. Um, it used to be a port city, and now it's not. Um, but he's writing to some friends in, in Ephesus, and he's, he's saying, this is, if you want to be a Christian, this is kind of what it's like. This is, this is the things you're going to face. These are the decisions you're going to have to make. And so he's giving them instruction, and he writes this in Ephesians 5, verse 15. And, and here's what's, what's cool about this verse. Paul He's basically explaining the need for guardrails in life, and then he actually gives us a specific example of a guardrail. Watch this. Verse 15, Paul says, Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. See, see there's that word of caution again. Hey, be careful how you live. You know, given everything that's happening in this world, be careful, then, how you live, and this word live could actually be translated walk as well. Be, be careful then the path that you take, how you walk in life. It, you know, when you make a decision to go right or left, you might want to think about that in life because you know, like life is kind of like a road, and some roads are better than others, and, and if you, or if you get off the road, that can be bad. It's like Be careful then how you live. Every time I read this verse, I can't help but think of somebody who's got one of those backyards. We don't have a dog, but have you ever been to one of those, your friend's house, or maybe your house is like this, where it's like, the, you know, it's the end of winter, and spring thaw is coming, and they've got a dog, and their backyard is just littered. Let's just leave it there. <laughs> and if, if they were, to, if, if you're at your friend's house, or if this is your house, if a friend was over, you'd be like, hey, you're going to go in the backyard? Just be careful. Okay, careful where you walk in my backyard. Life's kind of like that, Paul would say. And, and the remedy is, is what? Be care how, do, how do you be careful? He just says it right here. Live wisely, walking, uh, be living wise, not, not as unwise, but wise. It's kind of like um, when I first started to drive, my parents um, who are not, uh, if, if you know my parents, they're, they're very, like, kind, you know, accepting people. 
And I was amazed at when my dad taught me how to drive, how defensive he was. It's like, Josh, you can't trust anybody. He's like, what are you talking about? Like, we got friends. He's like, on the road, you, it, it, the only person who's going to look after you is you, right? You have to drive defensively. It's kind of like that. Paul's saying, hey, hey, be careful then how you live. Drive defensively. Don't just, you know, go with the flow and not really pay attention to, uh, you know, like, don't just, you know, if it, if it says green uh, on the light, don't just go through. You look, what? You look both ways first to make sure no one's going to plow through a red light. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. And here's how we're going to define wise walking. I should have made a slide for this, but, but just, just listen as I read it. A good question to ask when you're about to make a decision, and I'll, you'll hear me talk about this. If you've been around CLC long enough, you've, you've heard me bring this up. This is, this is what it means to live wisely. When, when it's time to make a decision, you don't ask, what's the right thing to do? You ask, what's the wise thing to do? In light of my, we say it like this, in light of my past, past experiences, my present circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? That's what Paul would say. Like, like if you want to be cautious, if you want to be careful about where you, how you live, live wisely. Ask this question. Okay, okay, okay. I know, I know this is what people do normally when it comes to finances. I know the bank will lend me whatever, 50% of my, my income on a loan. But given my past experiences with loans and my present circumstances and my future hopes and dreams for what I want financially, what's the wise thing to do? That's a different question, right? You see how that, that I love this question, and I've, I've, once I heard, I heard it 10 years ago, and I held on to it because I feel like this question has the, the ability to just kind of cut to the heart of things, kind of cut all the BS out and be like, no, 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 okay, but what's the wise thing to do? Not what are other people doing, what's the right thing to do? No, no. What's the wise thing to do? And then navigate based on that, uh, the answer of that. And if you, if you want extra credit, if you want to do it really right, bring somebody else into the conversation. Hey, 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 friend, you know me. In fact, I, you know me so well, I'm, I'm debating if I should even ask you this question because I think I might know the answer already. In light of my past experiences, my present circumstances and future hopes and dreams, do you think I should go out with her and see what they say? You know? It, it's a way of, of making sure you're going down the right path. He says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. In this, in what he's about to say here in, in, in verse 16, some of you will not agree with, but look, look at this. He says, making the most out of every opportunity, because the days are evil. He just flat out says it. Paul kind of tips his hand, and, and we know where he's at with, like, hey, Paul, what do you look at, how do you look at this world? Yeah, it's pretty evil. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, I know there's bad stuff out there, Paul, but, like, evil? Yeah. Be careful, then, how you live, not as wise and unwise. Making the most of opportunity. Make sure, you know, as those opportunities come, you, you take advantage of them, but be careful because the, the days are evil. I don't think most of us would say the days are evil. 
Now, we know there's evil stuff out there, but like sorting out like where that comes from. Here's, here's the deal. If, the, if this is, you don't have to agree with Paul. I don't believe you have to agree with Paul in order to glean from Paul here today. But let me explain. See, Paul's worldview is that, that life is not just hard. It's not just difficult. The reason that life is so difficult is because we're being opposed. That there, there are forces of evil out there that would like to destroy us. Now, if you don't believe that, I, uh, that's fine. I, I do. I believe, that, I, I believe that this explanation is actually the best way to explain the horrible, evil, dark stuff in this world. And some of the things that, that I'm drawn to myself. It makes sense that, like, wait, I didn't come up with that. Oh, I, I feel like I'm being baited and tempted right now. You ever felt that way? Paul would say it's because there's an evil force out there. Now, regardless if, if you agree with Paul here on this, what we can agree on and, and how we can move forward with Paul and his line of thought is this. Do you believe that life is more like this? Slides aren't working. That's really unfortunate. Um, do you believe that life is more like those roads out in Utah where you literally could, like, set cruise control, take your belt off, and tie the steering wheel to something, you know, like, around and just take a nap because it's so straight? That was the picture that was there. That, that wasn't a bad description, though, either, right? Or do you think it's a little bit more windy than that? And the next picture was, like, kind of more of a mountain road that, does some S turns and then kind of disappears and you're not sure where it goes after that. Parents, is parenting straightforward? <laughs> or is it a little unknown at times what's around the next corner with your children, whether they be young or they're adults? Is, 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 is navigating the financial world, is it straightforward? Or is it kind of, uh, I thought we were doing good, and then all of a sudden, now we're like lost. When it comes to dating, when it comes to decisions at work, like it's just, it's difficult to navigate sometimes. It's sorted. It's like, as soon as, I, for me, I feel like as soon as I figure something out, and I'm like, okay, now I can open her up. It's like, that's when th something changes, right? And, and can we all agree that there are some areas of life that are straight up like the Mount Evans Road. Like you don't want to go that, you, you don't want to go that way. And, and because of maybe your own story in the past, maybe you've been falling down that cliff or you've seen people fall down that cliff. And you're like, yeah. See, whether you believe there's evil in the world or not, we all agree there's, there are things in life we want to avoid. There's stuff on the other side of that, that guardrail that we, we don't want to be there. There's darkness we don't want to be a part of. And that's why Paul would say, be careful then how you live. Be wise. Put up guardrails. Make the most of every opportunity. And this is the best way, it, it, you know, cre uh, create margin for error in your life and you won't 
regret it. And then he says this. He says this, um, let's see, where is it? Is it verse? Um, yeah, yeah, he says in verse 17, he says, therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Like, don't be foolish. Don't just go through like, ah, I'll think about it later. But understand, and then he brings God into it. But understand what the Lord's will is. Because here's the thing. In this conversation, we have to, we have to remind ourselves sometime that God can weigh in. That God, listen, listen, that the creator of the world has a will for your life, has a will for my life. That he, he um, there's a verse in Jeremiah that, that says, um, that, that, um, God says, for I know the plans I have for you. I, I have plans for you to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. That's what he wants for you. He wa- he, he, his heart breaks. See, he's, he's, we get to call him. Jesus came and he started to, to teach people to call God heavenly what? Father. And just like a, a, a good, loving parent, God it has a will for our lives that we would be able to go through life and enjoy the ride and not have to worry about falling off cliffs and bad debt and divorce and bad relationships. His desire for you and for me is so much more than that. And so he didn't leave us in the dark. He, he, he has a will for our lives that we can discover through his word, through, through community with one another. We can step into his way of life by obeying his commandments, by, by, by allowing, him, allowing God to have say in our lives, in how we do finances, in how we date, in how we friend, in how we, 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 we fill in the blank. And when we do, we step in, we, we, we start putting him in the driver's seat, and we start doing life with him. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand, understand God has a will for your life. Understand what God's will is for your life. And then he says this, and here's where he actually gives an example of, of a guardrail. Verse 18, he says, do not get drunk on wine. It's, and this is weird. It's like, it's all of a sudden he's talking, it's like, it's almost like he's saying, for instance, don't get, like, let's take wine, for instance. He's like, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. And then he says, instead be filled with the Spirit. Now, here's, here's the thing. I, I, I didn't know this until I was an adult. Did you know it's probably not a sin to get drunk? Like, in, in Paul's world, wine, it's possible wine was part of not only his daily life, but most people, if not all people's daily lives, because water was not like, you get sick drinking water. And they didn't understand why, but they knew if, like, when I drink water from that, my tum-tum hurts. So, I, you know, like, I'll get water from somewhere else. Or if you drink wine, um, that you, you wouldn't get sick. Or more likely, if you mix wine with water, that's a way of treating water. And they, they knew that. Even the ancients knew that. They couldn't explain it like we can now, but they knew that. And so he's like, hey, you know, you know wine, like, this part of our lives, um, don't drink too much. Don't get drink so much so that you get drunk. Not because getting drunk is a sin. It's because debauchery is a sin. Because <laughs> when you get drunk, you're more 
prone to debauch. <laughs> you know? And you know, I don't need to fill in the blank there. Like, you just, you don't think as clearly. Like, we even say it. We even say it. Like, when you're under the influence, these phrases we use, when you're under the influence, you start doing things like, you're doing them, but it wasn't you. It's the wine talking, right? Or it's the liquor talking. And he's saying, don't do that. Don't, don't drink so much that you lose control, because when you lose control of the vehicle, you might hit something, Right? That is, this, and again, it's not like God's like drawing these arbitrary lines. Do this, don't do this. Thou shalt, thou shalt do not do this. If you look at his law, every one of them has a reason behind it. And the reason is us. It's for us. It's so that we can live life fully and enjoy the ride. Do not get drunk on wine. That's the, the, he's saying that's the guardrail. Getting drunk, that's too far. You shouldn't do that. But instead, be filled, and I love this phrase, be filled with the Spirit. Instead of filling yourself with wine, fill yourself with God. And see, this is, I think, this is where the crux of the matter is. This is a perfect way to set up this series, because we'll talk about specific things in, in the weeks to come. But really what this comes down to, let me say it this way, really what this comes down to if you're a believer, if you're a, a follower of Jesus Christ, is will you allow Jesus to have say in your life? Will, will, you do, will, you, will you fill yourself with the Spirit? Will you fill your life? Will you fill your decisions? Will you fill your, the way you do finances? Will you do it with him? Or will you go out on your own? And, and honestly, going out on our own, it works. And it, it can work for a long time, and then all of a sudden we hit up against something that we didn't see coming. And a lot of times we come back on our knees and, and, and bewildered and, and trying to put the pieces back together. And, and you know what's cool? If that's you today, God is right here. He's been waiting for you to do just that. In order to have a, a, a fulfilling life with him. And, and geez, that's our story, isn't it? Not as a church. We are not perfect. We've gone so, like, like, like I don't even want to go into my list. But when I, I bring those imperfections to him, and, he, and his spirit fills me up. And he says, okay, now we're going to make life together. But life with him requires guardrails he loves us. He loves us too much to let us go off those cliffs, to go off into oncoming traffic. And the only people who can keep those guardrails are us. What's cool is because of what I get to do, I get to be with people who are on both sides of the guardrail. Like I, I get phone calls a lot of like, hey man, um, I know we haven't talked in a while. And then we talk. But I don't want to talk about those to end today. I want to talk about the conversations that I get to have, like I did a couple months ago at a wedding. I did Young Life for almost 10 years. And we taught this stuff. We actually did a series called Guardrails about seven years ago. That if, if you feel like you're in youth group right now, there's probably a reason. Um, but we did this, this series, like, seven years ago, and I was at a wedding a couple months ago with Christy, and we're hanging out with a bunch of Young Life kids, 
I, I kid you not, like, I, I don't, it's not like, hey, what would you think of guardrails seven years ago? Like, I just don't, you know. They brought it up in the conversation, like, hey, remember when we met at the Petzl's house in that basement, there was a bunch of kids. I still remember that. And they don't say, I remember what you said. No, it just, they, they, I remember talking about these things, and I want you to know that's changed the way that I've dated. It's changed the way that I'm thinking about life with my career. And, and, and here's what's cool. And, and then some of them are getting married. And guess when they're getting married, guess what they're not thinking about? They're not thinking about the guardrails that they made years ago and how hard that was. Even though it was hard through the years, there was times where it's like, man, in order to keep this, this is going to be difficult. They're not thinking about that. They are on the open road the, the top of the convertible's down, the wind is going through their hair, and they're enjoying life as God intended it to be. A life with no regrets. A life driving freely through. And that's the thing. Guardrails are hard to put up. They're even hard, they're sometimes harder to maintain. But over time, can I just say two things? You have what it takes to do it, and you won't regret it. You won't. You won't regret any lie, like even as, as me, um, what's the word I'm looking for? As um, fastidious as it seems, as, as minute or, or just like, I don't know, you won't regret it in the future. Because by doing it, you're living life wisely, and you're doing life, you're, you're, by doing it, you're stepping into life with him. Isn't that cool? Isn't that great? We're not alone. He didn't leave us out to dry. He wants to do life with us. The question is, will we do it with him? We'll, we'll keep talking about this in the weeks to come. Let me pray for us.